Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Today's passage comes from 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of for human passions, for the will of God, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to you to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks, oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thank you, Lisa, and dear God, please forgive Lisa for saying orgies and drinking parties in church. Amen. Uh, Kids, on that note, kids, uh, we have, now is the time that you can run away. We have Elevate today with the Nevilleses for kindergarten through second grade, and then we do have EGC for third through fifth grade out this way. Uh, They will direct your traffic and where you need to go. Let me put this down here before I spill it. For everybody else, welcome to Bizarro Day at Refuge Church where the worship guy preaches, the preacher guy sings, the drummer plays guitar and leads worship, uh, cats and dogs living together. It is mass hysteria here. Um, But I am Eric. I'm one of the elders here, usually not up front here without a guitar. Um, But uh, today I'm going to be talking to you, us, about the uh, final communal practice that we've been covering over the summer uh, about serving one another. So... We've been in a series on these communal practices or disciplines, um, and we've been looking at these for the last six or seven weeks. Uh, We started with greet one another uh, and hospitality covered by Joel, where he talked about demonstrating to one another that what we have experienced from God, that we've been welcomed into his family, and we can do the same for others that are part of his family. Uh, We talked about encouraging one another from uh, Jeremy Neville, where we take delight in honoring one another encouraging one another, not just with kind words and empty sayings, but with the very truth of God. We talked about bearing with one another. Jeremy Jacobs talked about holding each other up, sustaining one another, all of which is rooted in deep forgiveness of one another. 
We talked about living in harmony with one another. Uh, Trey brought this message uh, where we, in humility, find unity in the one who has rescued us and drawn us together as a people. Joel talked about teaching and instructing one another, uh, that we become like what we worship. And so we must teach one another in order to renew our knowledge of God. And then today, uh, last but not least, is serve one another. And all of this is under the umbrella of the command in, that we see over and over in the New Testament to love one another, speaking of the body of Christ. Um, so in summary, my hope for us today is to understand that our service to one another is empowered by giving ourselves completely to Jesus because Jesus has given himself completely away for us. And we'll unpack that throughout the morning. Um, not morning, it's not going to be like all morning, just a little bit. Okay. So, just real quick uh, thought experiment here. Who is the most important person at your work, at your school, in your social circle? Just think of somebody. Who is due the greatest honor, the people that you encounter? It doesn't have to be somebody that you know deeply, but who do you see? In my work, uh, at my job, we have kind of the regular worker bees, lots of people writing software and making PowerPoint charts. Uh, and then we have managers above them, and we have senior managers above them. And sometimes we have directors of the company coming in to get status updates. And then once a month, we have a, a vice president that comes in to get a status update from a very select few people. And there's always a lot of honor and reverence shown to this person that comes in. He is the person that receives the greatest honor in our organization. Who is, in contrast to that, the least important person at your work, in your school or in your social circle that you encounter? Who is given the least honor? Do you have somebody in mind? People that you may not even see. There's one person at my work who receives the least honor. His name is Kevin. Kevin is beneath even us worker bees on the honor scale. Yet he serves the entire organization, uh, that entire structure, with his acts of service. All of our work, from the software engineers to finance and contracts and executives, would come to a complete halt if Kevin stopped doing his job and serving the organization. Kevin is the person who cleans our bathroom and replenishes our supplies, uh, puts more toilet paper, more paper towels, and takes out our trash. If he were to stop doing his job, our organization would cease to function because we would not want to be there. And yet, as this servant, he receives no honor. So if there's such limited honor and glory in serving, then why do we do it? Why is this command here? Number one, our service to one another. Why do we do this? What's the call to serve? When I thought about this topic of serving one another, my initial response was, oh yeah, that sounds pretty easy, uh, we'll just do that. Uh, it's not a difficult request. But if you stop and think about it, uh, if I stop and think about it, if we enter into the context of the passage of the people to which Peter is writing this letter, uh, we can maybe see that it's not so easy to think about just serving one another. So imagine that you're living in a culture where you're an empowered citizen with rights in a kingdom that's intermixed with other people of lower status and station, governed by leaders who crave power and status and wealth. Or, perhaps you are one of those people 
who are the downtrodden, the outcast, the poor, the suffering. You're being ruled over by leaders who crave power and status and wealth. Regardless of your position, your sensual and sexual ethic is whatever you want it to be. There are no limits and no rules. Everything that, you could, that could satisfy your personal desires is available. Food, drink, luxury goods, status symbols, all of these can be chased after and obtained. I know it can be difficult to draw parallels to our own culture out of that description, but think, try to do that if we pull that forward. And into this self-centered and selfish milieu of the power comes the gospel by the power of the Spirit. The gospel enters the lives of these people that Peter is writing to and to us. And it says, you are not the center of the universe. The power, approval, comfort, and control that you seek will not bring you satisfaction. Only God can do that. And you've been alienated from him by your hostile mind and your evil deeds. But there is good news. Jesus has come into the same selfish mess of humanity, and he has lived a perfect life of relationship to God, of a relationship and obedience to God and to fellow man. He was killed unjustly, taking the punishment that you and I deserve for your disobedience. But he rose from the dead in victory over it. He calls you to trust in him. He invites you into his eternal family. He commands you to love other believers and be a witness of his good news. The gospel compels us to put off the old self with its selfishness and put on a new self, one that is focused on loving God and others. And loving includes serving. So to go from selfish and self-centered to selfless is a big turn. And we're called to serve? Well, what does it mean to serve in this, in this mindset? To serve means to, to perform duties or services for another person or an organization. A servant, a servant, servant, that's weird, okay, is a person who performs duties for others or a devoted and helpful follower or supporter. In this case, we would think of God. And think about this. I don't know why it didn't hit me here, but serving is necessarily others-focused. It is necessarily an elevation of others and a lowering of self. In fact, all of these one-another practices that we've been talking about are necessarily others-focused. I can't just do something to make me better it must involve someone else and the way that we interact and serve and love others. Serving is others-focused. So what about serving? Does that mean we're slaves? A slave does the will of his master because he's compelled to, sometimes by violence, threats, or force. But a servant does the will of his master willingly, but submitting to his authority. So we get a picture of biblical serving. Uh, I think the go-to text is the Acts chapter 6, where the Holy Spirit has come and is, has, has made himself known in the, in the early church, and the early church is gathering and is meeting, and the apostles are teaching, and they are serving and meeting the needs of all around. And somebody says, hey, there's a group of people that aren't being served. They need help. And the apostles say, we've been called to preach and teach the good news. We, can't, we don't have the capacity to do everything. Can you please find seven people that can help lead up a serving ministry? Something as simple as providing meals for those who had none. And so they set up a serving ministry there. Many, many other uh, uh, 
Many other examples abound. And the call in the New Testament is clear. In one of the New Testament examples, Paul instructs the churches to serve. First Thessalonians, for example. See that no one repays in evil, anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. And then we get to this occurrence where Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 4. So Peter, in this letter, is writing to churches, to Gentile churches in Asia. And so this is far away from Jerusalem. Peter has largely been ministering uh, in the center of, uh, in Jerusalem, speaking as a cultural, as an ethnic Jew, speaking to Jews there. But he is now writing to a Gentile church. And he uses language in his letter not to say, you people, you Gentiles who are different from us Jews, but he uses the language of the Jewish, um, of the Old Testament and the description of, his, of, the, of that people and God welcoming the Gentiles into this one people. And he recognizes throughout this letter that they are suffering in the midst of this Roman, primarily Roman culture, this Gentile, these Gentile churches primarily in this Roman culture. And so you can, we, we'll skip through the first half there. And Mike, if you want to maybe try to follow along, we'll see if this works. Uh, starting in verse 7. He's writing to the church, and he says, The end of all things is at hand. Yikes! Right? The end of all things is at hand. And for those who are in Christ, what is our response? Does Peter say, So go get that money. You do you. Buy the bag. Treat yourself. The end is near. No. No, he doesn't, right? He isn't predicting a cataclysmic end to the world and a future dystopian society. He's recognizing, I'll say in our language, that we are now in the fourth part of the story, the part of restoration, that this multi-thousand-year-long story of God moving through the world and this redemption story that's in process, that we've moved through the third part, that Jesus has come and, begun, and accomplished the redemption of his people and is now beginning the restoration of all things. And that though believers may suffer in the present, we know that Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom on earth and he's called us to be a part of it. He will make all things new. Therefore, Peter says in the second half of, of verse 7, our response is to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Peter's contrasting this response of being self-controlled and sober-minded with the behavior of the Gentiles that he describes in, this first, uh, in that earlier section of the passage, who are living in sensuality and lawless idolatry. They're just doing whatever feels good to them, and, and they even malign others to say, why aren't you doing this too? I can't believe you wouldn't join us in this. But we have been forgiven in Christ, but our freedom in Christ doesn't lead us to these things of the flesh, is what Peter's saying. But he says, instead, it leads us to live for the will of God. That comes from verse 1 and from verse 6 in that earlier passage. So our freedom doesn't lead us to licentiousness, but to obedience. And then in verse 8, being sober-minded and self-controlled, he says, keep loving one another earnestly. This is interesting to me, and we'll touch on this in a little bit, but what we do matters. And the way we love one another matters all the way through the end of all things. Verse 9, he says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We're called to be stewards of God's grace that he's given to us. The king has generously given to us so we can generously love and serve one another and not just keep those gifts for ourselves. So this service to others is what we're called to, and it's empowered by giving ourselves completely to Jesus. That's a pretty big task. Number two, our service is empowered by giving ourselves completely to Jesus. How are we empowered to serve this way? Really turning from a selfish, self-centered point of view to something that's selfless? How can I serve my brother or sister that I may not even like very much? Serving myself is really easy. And I know the pleasure that it brings when I satisfy those desires. Can you put up the picture? Look at that. Does anybody know what this is? It's a guitar. Does anybody know what kind of guitar it is? Electric, electric guitar, very good. Okay. What's that? It's red, very good. Okay, so we'll, uh, yeah, so I've studied this guitar. It is not a Telecaster. Uh, so I've studied this guitar. My desire, I have a strong desire for this guitar. I know a lot about it. This is a 60th reissue of a Fender Jazzmaster guitar. The Fender Jazzmaster was introduced in 1958, and so in 2018, they reissued this guitar with a few minor tweaks and changes. And so, uh, as you can clearly see, it is Fiesta red and uh, has a matching headstock, which is unusual. It has the bound neck and the block inlays on the neck, which is unusual. That wasn't what they did in 1958. That came later in the 1966 version. The radius of the fretboard is nine and a half inches instead of the vintage 7.25. It makes it easier to play and to bend the strings. It, has kind of the, it still has the standard electronics set up with the lead circuit and the rhythm circuit. Uh, it has a thin coat of nitrocellulose lacquer on the outside instead of a thick polyurethane coat underneath there. So it should age and check nicely uh, as you play it for years and years and years. So this is a beautiful guitar. I know this guitar because I've studied it, and I really want it, and I like it a lot. It's easy for me to serve myself and to, to pursue the things that make me feel good, to, to go after this guitar, to study it, and want to know it more. It's much harder to do that for someone else. What kind of guitar does my wife like? The answer is none. But <laughs> I would... But how do we study and know what others need? How do we become students of one another to know how can I meet your needs? Or what brings you joy so that I can serve you? Serving can also be done, you can take the picture down, although it is nice. Um, <laughs> it's distracting. But okay. Serving others can also be done for the wrong reasons. Right? There, are, there are some negatives that we can approach serving, and it's kind of hard to think about, but uh, if we're serving simply for personal gratification. So secular research has shown that there are many benefits, both physically, psychologically, and emotionally, from serving other people. Uh, one study indicates that helping others is associated with greater health and well-being and longevity. 
Another study shows that helping others can improve our own self-confidence, our self-awareness, our self-esteem, and reduce symptoms of depression. It's almost as if we were created to serve, is what science is finding. But serving just for those reasons, for my own personal benefit, doesn't quite get us there. We could also serve out of duty. And this is what I feel the weight of a lot personally. Oh, it's not getting done. Somebody has to do it. I guess I'll do it. Or, uh, oh, do we really have to go do this thing? Okay, I guess, I guess since uh, somebody, somebody called us to do it, we'll go do it. But we see even examples here in the Bible of Luke chapter 10. There's a story of Mary and Martha two, uh, and their brother Lazarus. And Jesus is friends with them and he comes to their house. And in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus is meeting with him and talking. And it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. She has a sense of duty of serving must be done. And while that's true, in many cases, the Lord reminded her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In this Mary versus Martha, Martha serves out of duty here, and Mary gives herself completely to Jesus in this moment. Does that mean that Mary never helped serve in the future? I don't think so. But in this moment, there was a recognition of the most important thing and the danger of serving out of duty. We can also, one of the dangers of serving is serving to get something or to put someone else in your debt. We see a picture of this in a parable that Jesus tells. So this didn't really happen. It's Jesus telling a parable. But the parable of the prodigal son. And we won't go through the whole thing. But the younger brother goes away and comes back in a beautiful picture of redemption. And the father welcomes him in. But it says in Luke 15, But he, the older brother, was angry and refused to go into the celebration. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. This man in this story is serving in order to get something. He's serving to put his father into his debt, to say, look how good I am. You owe me because of what I've done for you. This is not a good motivation for serving someone else. What are the results of selfish serving. Well, you can see the, the summary of consequence in the earlier passage that Peter writes to, to folks. He says in verse 5, and they will give an account of him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We'll be held responsible even for the motivations that we have for serving. Wow. There's another side of serving, of being served by someone. And I don't know why I didn't think about this After two weeks of thinking through this topic, I'm focused on what am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be serving. There's another side to serving, which is letting somebody else serve you. Sometimes it's difficult in our our pride to be served by someone else. It can make us feel like we're in their debt. Well, now I have to pay them back because they came over and helped me with the thing. Or they did this for me. I guess I'll have to do something for them. 
It can also inflame our pride. It can cause us to react with a stiff-necked, I don't need your help response. I can do this. I'll be fine. I can make it through. I don't need it. But refusing to be served by one another, it actually robs a brother or sister of the opportunity to build up the body and glorify God. So even here, there's a pitfall and a brokenness. So the answer must not be to simply try harder to serve, try harder to give ourselves to one another, but instead to give ourselves completely to Jesus. So what would this faithful serving look like? What does it look like? What happens when we give ourselves to Jesus and serve with a proper motivation? When we give ourselves to Jesus, when the gospel dethrones us or me from the center of the universe, then we become free to love and serve the God who calls us into his family. In 1 Peter 4, 8, Peter writes this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Is Peter saying here that we can outserve our sinfulness? That our good deeds can help reduce or cancel our record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands? I don't think he's saying that here. The body of Christ is built up as we share this love of Christ by serving one another. When we do that, we are imaging Jesus to one another, extending love and forgiveness. And it is his love that brings others to repentance, the turning away from sin. As you serve, you are the embodiment of Jesus to someone else. And the Spirit can use that to bring people to repentance, both the servant and the one who is being served. And by the power of the Spirit, this love covers a multitude of sins, washing away the old self and revealing the new self as we see. And in verse 11, it says, so that God may be glorified in Christ. Let me read the whole thing. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So when you make a meal for someone who has had a baby or is hurting or maybe just had a hard week, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you give a brother or sister a ride to and from the doctor, or when you invite them into your home for rest and healing, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you bring the coffee in and you set it up on Sunday mornings, the body is built up and caffeinated and God is glorified. Amen. When you show up to KR or Elevate or EGC eager to teach our children to be in awe of the God of the universe just as much as you are, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you rock, walk, bounce, but not shake, and sing to the fussy babies so that parents can have a few minutes to gather together with other adults in the Sunday gathering, the body is built up and God is glorified. 
when you show up to the finance team meeting and you trudge through QuickBook transactions for an hour, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you spend the day helping our single brothers and sisters with tasks that are just too big for one person, like assembling Ikea furniture, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you volunteer to watch someone's children so that tired parents can have a break or a night out or maybe just take a nap, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you do yard work or you clean the home of a brother or sister who's sick or otherwise unable to care for it, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you spend time refining the welcome processes at Refuge to help brothers and sisters feel connected when they're here and missed when they're gone, the body is built up and God is glorified. When you show up early on Sunday morning to assemble the slides or prepare the stream or turn on the audio only to have technology fail you at the worst possible moment, the body is still built up and God is glorified. When we practice serving one another, the body is built up and God is glorified. And this isn't just a temporary boost to the body or to God's glory, the results will last. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is near, but verse 11 says, to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are helping one another to put off the old self and to put on the new self. We practice what it looks like to live as kingdom people until one day when Jesus' kingdom is fully manifested here on earth and all things are made new. So how can we find the strength to fight against our selfishness and give ourselves completely to Jesus and serve one another in this way? And the answer is from Jesus himself because Jesus has given and continues to give himself away for us. Jesus gives us the example in the poignant story of the Last Supper that we see written about in John chapter 13, the Gospel of John. Jesus is the guest of honor at this supper. He takes the, and yet, he takes off his garments and takes on the role of the lowest servant and washes the disciples' feet. And here, Peter, one of the disciples, says, you will never wash my feet. This is gross. I don't deserve to have this, and you shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus corrects him and reminds him and says that I must do this for you. That is why I'm here. In John 13, 14 through 17, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is our example. His life was an example for us. But not only that, Jesus is also our Savior. And we read this passage earlier this morning, but I'll read it again. Philippians chapter 2 is the most, one of the most beautiful uh, pictures of this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, like guitars, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form 
of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see here that my pages are out of order. We see here that Jesus came as a servant to give his life for many. Jesus served us by his obedient death, life, excuse me, obedient life, death, and his resurrection. He took on our sin and shame in his crucifixion and defeated them in his resurrection. He's given himself away for us. The song, And Can It Be, says he emptied himself of all but love. And then he fills us with his spirit as we trust in him, which then empowers us to love and serve selflessly. Our response to Jesus is to serve one another as he served us. So to kind of wrap it all together there. Our service to one another is empowered by giving ourselves completely to Jesus because he has given himself away for us. So when we get practical a little bit more, what do we do to practice serving one another at refuge? I gave a bunch of examples earlier of things that you're already doing, which is beautiful and great. If serving is something that we're called to, to do, and it's both empowered and shaped by the gospel, how do we practice it? Galatians 5, chapter, uh, in Galatians 5, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only, excuse me, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So we know, uh, yeah. So I'd encourage you in four things, four practical things that you can take away both this week and in the weeks to come. Evaluate your gifts, as Peter calls them, that we've been given gifts. What skills and abilities, passions and tools do you have that you can use to serve? This doesn't have to be something that you would perceive as glamorous or noble. Do you have a lawnmower? Do you have a pickup truck? Do you have cooking skills? Do you have resume formatting skills? Do you have any other skills that could be useful to those in the body as they have needs. Write them down. List out what you're good at, what you like to do. Evaluate your gifts. Number two, evaluate your responses to needs. When you hear needs presented, how do you respond internally? Do you immediately feel a sense of, of guilt or duty or maybe even just avoidance, like if I wait long enough, somebody else will take care of it? All of these things, all of these responses internally are opportunities for us to repent of our selfishness, to trust God to make us new, and then to work out of, to practice, to put into practice uh, what he's called us to do. So evaluate res your responses to needs. Perhaps this is out of order, but also practice listening for needs. How can we proactively seek out other believers that are in need and help them? Are we listening? Are we paying attention when we're in gospel or GC or small groups, when we're out for a men's event and we hear, hey, this person sounds like they need help with this. Can I offer? Do I have something to offer? Be aware of these needs. Listen for them. Do I know, ah, 
this guy has a pickup truck. I can ask him and we'll come help you. These kinds of things. Pay attention to the needs. Listen carefully. Be a student of other people and not just your own selfish desires. And then fourth, uh, and this one, again, kind of late in coming to me, make your needs known. Make your needs known. Give other believers, other brothers and sisters, the opportunity to serve you, to build up the body, and to glorify God. Make your needs known. We have, uh, I will say this, uh, just very practically, we have for all of these disciplines and practices that we've been talking about, we have some uh, study guides, if you will, out here on the resource table. There's a printout for every one of them. They're kind of written for a group setting, uh, but they're also valuable, as I've looked through them, uh, to do a lot of evaluation and understanding of what are these practices and why do them. What's my response to these practices, and how might God be changing me in them? So pick those up uh, along the way. They're kind of like Pokemon. You can collect them all and study them um, and take the time to unpack them. We've been spending just a short time here on Sunday mornings, but in all of them, including serving, uh, there's an element of the motivation here of why am I doing this? And we've talked through that a little bit here. So there's some practical things there to cover. So I'll wrap it up here. But just one more reminder, our service to one another is empowered by giving ourselves completely to Jesus and not to our selfish desires. And we do that because he has completely given himself away for us. We exercise all of these disciplines, personal, the personal ones, the communal ones, and even the missional ones, in order to practice living out this new reality, this new kingdom that has been, uh, this kingdom of God that's been inaugurated. Jesus has set us free by the power of the gospel, and he's opened our eyes to his truth. As we come to know and love God through, his, through the personal disciplines of prayer, study, fasting, and meditation, these things inform our ability to love one another. It really starts with those first four, and then branches out into loving one another, and ultimately to share this new kingdom and the king with the world. I'll leave you with this. Verse 7, chapter 4, Peter writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for not just uh, creating the world and setting it off to spin and then leaving us to figure out who you are and how you might want to relate to us. But you have intervened. You have given us your word throughout time and history that you've given a people that we can understand and see how you relate to the people here. And ultimately, you've given your son to show the most beautiful picture of your character, one who gives himself away for the sake of his people. And God, thank you for this opportunity uh, as we unpack what it means to live and to practice living out in this new kingdom. Thank you for your spirit that has transformed our hearts, and I pray that you would continue to do that wherever we are in that journey, that you would speak to us, that you would turn our hearts back to you and open our eyes to see that we are not the center of the universe, but you are. And that frees us to live in obedience and service to you and to one another. God, I pray that as we partake of this meal, that we will understand and more fully appreciate uh, Jesus, the sacrifice that he has made, uh, and also the victory that we have 
because of him and his victory over death and sin. God, we thank you. We praise you for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done and what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.